This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Throughline Podcast. It's Tuesday. It's the 26th. It's a great day. I mean, what are we? We're in spring. I never even notice, but it's happening. I honestly don't even know. How do we even know? You know what I mean? How do we even know that's this? People do it. What if, here's one to throw you for a loop. What if someone just said, yeah, we really don't even know if this is the 26th. It honestly could be September. Someone, they started keeping dates, but then they stopped. Like, we we have no idea. And now someone's out there going, this kid is so dumb. He's so dumb. I say that all the time. I say, this kid. I'm like, you know, this kid over here, my buddy goes, dude, he's 41 years old. I'm like, yeah, I know, but he's just shorter than me, you know? I still think like I'm in third grade. Uh, jlarsoncomedy.com, jlarsoncomedy on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Comedian Jay Larson on Facebook. Go over there and, uh, you know, follow me. I am always posting stuff. If you like the podcast, then you're going to like those things. Next week, the 6th, I'm in Chico, California. I've posted it on Instagram and Facebook. It's out there. I'm going to be at the El Rey Theater. Go over there. Get tickets. If you're in Sacramento, if you're in San Francisco, if you're up in that area, it's going to be a great show. A couple local comics are opening for me. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun up in Chico. I've always wanted to go up there to Chico. I had a friend that used to have like a screen printing machine that he would keep in my condemned house and he went to Chico State and that was like the only thing I knew about it. Now I think like everyone up there is just like him, which they might be. Uh, So that's Chico, California uh, on the 6th. And that'll be April. My God. We just went away to... uh, We're going away this weekend um, to Arizona. I'm looking forward to that. We go out there like once a year with my in-laws and it's a little vacation. I never took vacations in my life and now I love taking a vacation. I'm like, oh yeah, I get to go on a vacation? What do I do that whole time? You don't do anything. It's a vacation. You're like, is that what people do? like, yeah, that's what people do. Um, So I'm glad to be doing that. And uh, I'm glad and excited for this week's episode. If you're, first of all, if you're in March Madness right now, where you at? You know what I mean? Here's the new thing. Don't do a bracket. Yeah, do a bracket, but try some other things. I'm in a, another pool where you're like pick you have to pick a winner every day. It might be the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life because uh, I'm still in it. Like once you lose, you lose, but if you keep winning, baby, nothing feels better. Nothing. And nothing is more stressful and nothing is going to hurt more than when I lose cuz I'm probably going to lose, knock on wood. But if you're out there and you're still in it, congrats. If you're out there and you lost, bummer. But uh, maybe you still have your brackets or you have your favorite team to root for. Whatever. It's just so funny to me that the whole country like dives in. They said, I heard this the other day, that like $8.9 billion is gambled on March Madness, which is like this, the same number as the gross national product for like Tahiti. <laughs> That's insane. That's like the most American thing. And not American like take pride in it. Like American like, Jesus, what are we doing? Um 
or take pride, whatever you want. I don't care. I'll tell you what I do care about. I care about this week's guest. Uh, super talented actor. We, we worked together on The Invitation. Um, she was in the Miles Davis biopic with uh, Don Cheadle. She stars opposite Dwayne Johnson in Ballers. She has a new show called The Red Line coming out on ABC, I believe in April. She'll mention it towards the end of this. She's super talented, super fun, super funny. Um, a lot of times actors, you got to like loosen them up. Not, not this week's guest. I love her to death. I'm so excited to have her on. So please enjoy while I sit down with Emiati Coronialdi. Coronialdi. So talented. And go check her out on Facebook. Uh, she's got a page you can follow her at and see what she's doing. And check out her new show, uh, The Red Line, which is coming out. But now, catch her right now on The Through Line. Today's episode is brought to you by Care Of. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. With the winter blues coming to an end, it's finally time to get back into a routine that empowers you to feel your healthiest. Give yourself an extra boost this season when you're looking for more energy, better sleep, to maintain stress, or something else to help you feel your healthiest. Right now, if you go to Take Care Of, they have an quiz you can take. Takes less than five minutes. I went over. You fill in the things that you're looking to improve in your life. For me, some were stress. Some were my heart. Um, anything you're trying to, if you want better sleep. There's so many different things you can go over there. 90% of people fall short of their FDA recommended guidelines. This is a great way to find out what things you might be needing. My wife said to me recently, she's like, you need to take a daily vitamin. I'm like, what's even in the daily vitamin? We don't know. With you go to care of, it gives you specifics of things that you can work on. It can be really hard to know what vitamins and supplements you should be taking. Care of makes it easy to find out when you specifically need to be your healthiest. Taking that quiz took me five minutes, super easy. And your personalized Care of subscription box gets sent right to your door every month with personalized daily packs, great for a busy on-the-go lifestyle. So right now, if you go over to Take Care of, take Take the quiz, and then you can get 50% off your first month of personalized care vitamins. So just head over to TakeCareOf.com and enter code LARSEN50. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter LARSEN50 for 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Great way to get your energy or your health in order and head into spring feeling new, baby. All right, we're sitting down. Your first podcast. This is my first podcast. I can't believe you said you were nervous. Yeah, it's my first podcast. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of things that could be nervous. I'm sitting here with Emmy Yatsi, Corny. I just did you it. Just... Corny Aldi. Fucking Corny Aldi. Corny Aldi. There it is. I literally just said it before to make sure, and you were like, <laughs> My dad doesn't even say it that well. I mean, you've nailed it. I don't say it that well. So, is that Italian? It. it is Italian. I love that. It's Italian. Do people believe that you're Italian? Um, people usually believe, or they think I'm, you know, of Asian descent or something, mm-hmm. or you know, of Italian descent before they meet me when they hear the whole name. So yeah. when they see me, they're like, "Oh, well, I didn't." Have you ever done Twenty Three and Me or anything like that? We did Ancestry.com, and we're going to do 23andMe because I just want to know. You know, I, yeah. I've done Roots, and that was the inspiration for even doing that. I said, I want to know where I'm from. Oh, yeah. So we're going to do the other part of it, too. See, because so my grandmother, my mom's mom, mm-hmm. is Spinelli, mm-hmm. okay? And her parents literally 
met off the boat. Her dad was dad was Irish. Mom was Italian. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, mom was Italian. So, no, dad was Italian, mom was Irish. She was a Spinelli, then okay. she became a Reed. My mom became a Larson. But so anytime people like, they're like, what do you know about Italian? I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm a Spinelli, bro. Right. And then I did 23andMe and it was like 12%. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinned out when I got that back. I was like, I'm a little bit of nothing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, those things are always so surprising. I did find out that I was, oh, well. That's the thing. When I first got my results from Ancestry.com, I found out I was 48% Nigerian. Mm-hmm. But apparently they did a, a, I don't know, a reboot of the database. And now I am 0% Nigerian. What? 0% Nigerian. And it, it was like... What, they send you an 12%. update? They sent me an update. <laughs> and this is after I connected to my Nigerian roots and felt like, oh, I'm Nigerian. And then it went to zero, not oh even two percent. I'm like, I can't trust. Well, these what results. did it come back with then? It came back with it was it was all just kind of divided from there. It was like twelve percent um, Burkina Faso, and um, I think it was Benin and Togo, another twelve or thirteen percent or something. It was all broken up. Yeah, totally different. And I said, I don't know if I can trust these results. Well, first of all, if you had said to anyone. 15 years ago hey man if you just take your saliva these people tell you they know they know exactly you'd be like shut your right. mouth and nowadays they're like they made a commercial for it it's gotta be it's gotta be, it's gotta be authentic so what you saying it's us for believing yes we believe anything nowadays if you can get out there it's and true. put it on tv someone's like well you put enough money behind it it's they true. must have money it's true. have you ever seen an ad for something you're like what i've never even heard of this and you're like well they're paying it's on it's tv there. That's insane. It's half the battle is getting it out there and then you're right. Someone will believe. Someone will believe and then you'll make money. Where did you grow up? I'm an army brat. Are you? Yes. I grew up all over the place. Who was in the army? Um, Daddy or mom? Okay. My dad was in the army. He um, retired up to 20 years. Um, but I was born in Kentucky. But okay. don't have any Kentucky roots because as soon as I was, I was born, we didn't move. And so Kentucky is really not home. Um, then we went to Jersey, went to Kansas, went to Ohio, went to Germany, all over the place. But Jersey. So where and was high school? Because that I Jersey feel like. Jersey and Kansas. Oh, okay. Both of those. So you had to leave Jersey to go to in the middle of high school. In the middle of high school, I went to Kansas summer when I was 15. I left Jersey, and a lot of my friends didn't even know I was leaving. I didn't know I was leaving. My parents had divorced, that kind of thing, and now I'm going to Kansas. With who'd you go? With my dad. With my dad. Really? My mom stayed in Jersey. And we went to Kansas, and I thought my life was over. To go to Kansas at 15 from Jersey? I don't care where you're going. Like, if I, I mean, I was such a, like a, I was such a townie. You yeah, know what yeah, townie yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. I was such a townie that mm-hmm. if I ever had to, I remember my mother wanted me to go to high school, the town over, mm-hmm. to this, like, prep school. And she's like, yeah, you'll live with your grandmother. I'm like, are you out of your mind, ma? <laughs> you think I'm leaving my friends, ma? I'm not leaving my friends to go to some <laughs> school where kids are wearing suit coats and ties, ma. Right. She's like, you'll have a better opportunity in life. I'm like, I'm not living with Nana. I'm not what do you want me to do every day after school? Hang out with Nana? Right. And it was like, it probably because my mom, when she was a junior in high school mm-hmm. in Revere, Mass, where everyone's Italian. Okay. My nana and grandfather moved to Reading, and my mom stayed in Revere and lived with my aunt Lil, which uh-huh. was like uh, her 
her dad, my grandfather's like sister and sister. Okay. And so my mom probably was like reliving some idea of like me living with some old lady. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's got to be super. Th- <laughs> Can I ask why you went with your dad and not with your mom? Well, because it was just for that time. It was supposed to be, I think, just a summer thing or something like that. My little brother and I. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I ended up just finishing my last two years of high school out there in Kansas. You know, my mom would come and visit or what have you. Um, it was really just, I think the way they worked it out, it was going to be just for the summer and just ended up staying rather than having me go and start school and leave and come back and start over. So it ended up being a really good thing because I had a lot of rough edges going on in Jersey. So to go to Kansas and kind of get those smoothed off, um, and a lot of my desire for acting was kind of honed in Kansas as well. So it ended up being a a really good thing for me. Getting in a lot of fights in Jersey. All the time. Were you? All the time. And in Kansas, I fought almost every year of school period. Fist except fights? for like my, yeah, junior <laughs> year. From like Shut fourth grade up. on. No joke. Do you, how much of that do you think is just you being fiery or you, I mean, moving all the time? Moving. Or? It, I was not a fiery person. I was definitely very much, you know, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. That's just yeah. what I was taught and that's just how it goes um, at that time. Um, but it was really that moving and always being the new person. And when you're always yeah. a new person, you're tested, you're teased or what have you and having to always fight. And I come from <laughs> and the Yahtzee. I, I did not, brother. would never see that. <laughs> I have an older brother and an older sister and a younger brother. And I've kind of always been somewhat of a tomboy, you know, just a little, a little tough. And so, you know, I didn't really take too much, you know, yeah. From anybody. So I was really a quick trigger to to fight in that way. But I never started anything. But I really did get into a lot of little little spats. You know, it kind of makes sense now. Like if you look at like your body work as an actor, you're like you play a strong woman. Don't you think? I mean, and not everything, but it's like it's interesting to see like who we are. Because, you know, I've never been in a fight in my life. I've never punched anyone and I've never been punched. (sighs) That is so cool. That is deal i'm a kid from just outside of boston people all the time are like how have you never been punched in the face you're also a dick where kate has been in two fist fights and like beat she got beat one time dislocated her collarbone like high school fights and i was like what are you you just get in fights all the time and she's like yeah well you know you gotta do what you gotta do i'm like do what you gotta do man i never had to do i always talked my way out of it that is that is i'm really amazed by that it's beautiful it's like uh you know it's funny because now my son's five Mm -hmm. and his friends all they're all into like hitting and Mm -hmm. telling people to hit other people and he got punched in the face at the beach with friends i was there i mean we were there i think he was oh my god he was like i think he was three and a half and this kid this five-year-old who's our friend's kid hit him that makes it even worse and they were just sitting there like the kid just hit him like he said i don't know if he's whatever they said he was practicing his taekwondo (laughs) okay on my kid and my son just started bawling his feet like never moved he just started bawling and i go over to him i go i go it was i go do do you hurt and he said he was like no and he was just so hurt that's like he felt like betrayed Mm -hmm. and i go by his friend yeah i go listen man we don't hit we don't punch. That's not what we do. I'm like, I know you're upset. If you need to get it out of your system, you got to find a way. If you want to scream, if you want to run, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do. And he, that kid came over to apologize like a second time. And Reed just looked at him and goes, ah! <laughs> like, 
You should have seen the anger in his face. And I was like, that's my boy, Reedsy. Let it out. Get it out. Seriously, you have to. Yeah. You have to. And then his then, then his friend, who's his, the younger brother of that kid, came over to like say goodbye, and he turned and yelled in his face too. <laughs> Take that. It was the best. I'm like, oh, that's the best oh, way man. to do it. I just think it's interesting that you went with your dad because like, I feel like, I mean, you know, when my parents, I was two when they divorced, mm-hmm. but there was no chance that anyone was going with my dad. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that's, I have a buddy, Jason, who when his parents divorced, he lived with his mom and his sister lived with his, da- mm-hmm. with his dad. And he's like, yeah, and I, was, I saw my dad every day. And I'm like, that's so weird mm-hmm. to me. When there are healthy divorces, I'm just like, how? Who yeah. are these people? And then your mom <laughs> would come visit? I saw my parents in a room one time in my entire life. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? You're like, what did you guys have going on that was so huge? Mm-hmm. You couldn't, you never thought like, oh, it might be a good idea, yeah. you know? Yeah, man, divorce is tough. It's one of those, you know, my parents married and divorced twice. All right. I, you know what? No. Because <laughs> every time I hear about these couples, I'm like, what is your deal? Get it together. Seriously. I mean, it, it was shocking to me. I only found out about this. I don't know, maybe seven years ago now. I did not even know the first. Ancestry.com was like, hey, <laughs> you remember how you thought your parents stayed together forever? Nah, they split a couple times. Right. I mean, I really didn't even know. So when I found that out, it just really just made. Who told you? Um, I think it was a cousin who told me first. And I said, whatever. What do you know? Cousins always hopping in. Cousins they love to always, get that gossip going. Always. And then I asked. Um my dad about it because if I by this time my mom has passed away my mom had um lung lung cancer she passed away did she smoke she did smoke she was only 54 whoa Um, yeah and so I I asked my dad about it and he said yes I'm like what and so I couldn't even get my so mom's how long, side of it. So how know? long were they married before they divorced? And did they have you? How many kids did they have? And then divorce, how did it all happen? Well, they, they were married for, I think my dad said for two years the first time. Isn't it, by the way, isn't it hilarious when you find out how fucking <laughs> dumb your parents, like just to know that that one time they were also in their 20s yeah. or in their teens or in yeah. their 30s, yeah. you know? It's really interesting when you think about yourself at your age you know, the age that your parents were now when you're putting it all together. Like, oh, they were figuring it out too. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, they were married for two years at first time. Um, and then they divorced and that divorce was about a year and a half. And then they were married for nine years. You're like, guys, did you know there's a thing called a separation? <laughs> no, you didn't have to. <laughs> did your dad tell you how they got back together or anything? Yeah, or- I, my dad told me... Um, <laughs> My dad told me, oh my God, can I even tell the story? He told me that um, one of the moments when he knew that, okay, this is this is my wife, the woman for me. The second um, time? This is the first or the second time? I, yeah, this is after they divorced and during the year and a half before they got together, yeah. Okay. And so he was, um, I don't know, dating this other woman or something, and my mom found out about it. And, um, and they're divorced at this point. Yeah. My mom found out about it and came over to my dad's house and the woman was there and chased her behind out of the house. Like the woman, like out of the back door. And my dad said, he was just like, 
I could not believe that she was able to come in to kick this woman out of my house. And he said that made me realize I love this woman. She is, <laughs> she is the woman for me. She's not going to oh have any God. mess. You're not supposed to be here. And you're right. You're not supposed to be here, other woman. And that was it. And, and they got back together. That is the craziest. You know how the definition of crazy <laughs> is when you see crazy and you're like, yep, that's exactly what I think I need. Do you know this is what happened to Logan's parents? The this, same thing. Are you serious? <laughs> Logan's parents, he told it on the podcast, they, they got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Right. And she was like, I'm not I can't be with this dude mm-hmm. and bounced to New York. And like he was like, <laughs> you think so? Rolled up to New York. You ready for this, though? I mean, both a different a differentiation of crazy. He stood out. He found out what neighborhood she lived in and stood in that neighborhood in the West Village and was screaming her name out until she came to a door and was like, oh hey, gosh. remember me? Let's go. And they got back together and then they moved down back down to like South Carolina or wherever. Wow. So, like, still, yeah, there is a certain element that, like, some people don't get what they want because they're not willing to be crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and then some people get what they want because they're crazy mm-hmm. and then find out nine years later that's not what they want. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, I see why. That's the best, though. I love that. Especially really in is. love. Like, sometimes you just need to go the distance you know what i mean i mean that's it you know i remember my dad telling me another story when they were i guess i don't know getting ready to get the divorce the first or the second time i don't know but he saw my mom at the courthouse and she was coming down the stairs this spiral staircase and she was coming down and she just looked so gorgeous and he couldn't believe it and he watched her walk down the stairs and he said i can't divorce this woman this is my wife and and that was it you know what i mean that was which time i guess it's second time or maybe he thought about divorcing hold another on time. I don't what know. do you mean thought about it sounds like they were in the process of another <laughs> one they might have been but i just thought there was definite love between my parents that's one thing i always saw i never saw my parents fight not one time yeah see that's the thing i i think not divorce once. isn't as cut and dry you know maybe in my my folks it was but like mm-hmm. everywhere else it can be like Ugh, yeah you know yeah they have faults but there's also all the reasons why i love them yeah you know yeah and it's just like how do you know if you're making the right decision or not making did your has your dad remarried since my dad did remarry yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. man i can't even ima- i mean i kind of i'll be honest i kind of love the idea of like divorce to get back together because mm-hmm. there's something romantic about it there being is. like all right listen i had a year and a half to do my thing and uh <laughs> Let me get back to what I know is correct. You know, but there's also like, you know, relationships, they, they're, they're just not easy. They're, you know, you have to like figure them out. They are not easy at all. Being married now myself for five years and it's just, you go into it and you think you have all the answers. I know this person. I love him. He loves me. And then you, you're figuring it out as you go. But I thought I had all of the answers, you know? Yeah. So it, it is, it's difficult. It's beautiful, but it's also difficult. Yeah. And you don't have all the backstory, by the way. Like just now having kids, the, yesterday, right? I made bunk beds for the kids mm-hmm. and Kate's sitting in like the chair in their room and they're playing. I lay down the bed and mm-hmm. I get my daughter's bed and like pull the blanket up. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to chill here. And like everyone started like, they were all like teasing me, like the three of them. So I rolled over to face the wall. You know what was on the wall? What? Boogers. <laughs> Three-year-old girl picks her nose and wipes them on the wall. And I go, River, 
this is disgusting. And Kate's like, Jay, don't shame her. I'm like, I'm going to shame her. This is gross. But guess what? Some dude or some girl down the road, whatever it may be, they're going to fall in love. And I'm going to be like, yo, just a heads up. This chick used to think it was all right to just like wipe her boogers on the wall. And that's not something like your dad would know or you would know, you know? Right. You, that's you something very know. deep. Those things are revealed as time oh, yeah. comes on. So when you, you so when you were in Kansas, you mm-hmm. said that's kind of when you found acting. Like who put you into acting? Were either your parents artistic in any way? Um Yes, in different ways. Um as as far as I was already interested in acting as a kid. You know, even in Germany, I was interested in acting, but I just did not know what it was. Kansas helped to kind of define it. Let me, I'm not trying to get super deep, but was there an element of you that kind of wanted to escape the idea of having to be this new kid all the time and just go be other people? Absolutely, I think so. I fully think that played into it because I, I, there's something about moving around and creating friends and then losing those friends and then never knowing what happened to those friends. Yeah, it's not like we had like, you couldn't be emailing them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and even now, there were times, you know, when we first getting on the internet and stuff, when I would try to find old friends, you know, from back then, you know, I remember from moving around in Germany and whatnot. Um, it makes you create these characters, you know, if you can't get in touch with them again. So acting definitely for me has played into all of that moving around and meeting new people and I would losing love relationships. To be a fly on the wall in the room with your old friends who you reached out to and they're like, yo, you remember that girl that knocked that kid out in, in fourth grade? Remember that chick? You know, it's, it's funny when I do speak to a lot of my old friends and it's funny cause my life is so, these are my Jersey friends. These are my Kansas friends. These are my Germany friends, you know? And so I'll speak to, to them mm-hmm. at different times and they'll have these different stories about me, things that I've forgotten about. Yeah. And it's like, wow, did I really, did I do that? But it's awesome to find that out because then you're like, oh, yeah, I have that in me. It's true. You know, that you didn't know. Like, oh, yeah, I, I used to be able to, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. So who, so go ahead. You yeah, were saying. My parents in their creativity. My um, my dad has always my dad is a chef. He retired. Oh, and really? now he's the head chef at the Hilton Hotel in Kansas City at the airport. So if you're flying through there. OK. Stop and get a meal. Was he ever um, like uh, did he ever have like a specialty or did he just want to had a kitchen um well his specialty he's from panama and so anything kind of you know panamanian he likes to cook with a lot of spices and that kind of mm-hmm. thing um arroz con pollo things like that those yeah. are his his dishes um and he was a cook in the in the army as well yeah and so he kind of just kind of honed that in and really really loved that and so he's creative in his cooking and then it translates into everything else into just design and and decor and everything my dad he you know when you're having dinner at the house it's a full dinner of course you know like coursed out courses um but also he's probably made the curtains and made sure that everything matches up and you know the linen is here and the rug and this here he's full eye for design. what the hell where did that come from full eye for design i think as a kid my dad told me that Um, he just always loved design and building and things like that. And so that helped me to know where I kind of got that from because I do as well. Yeah, I mean, me too. But I got it from my, I got like the design element from my mom Mm because she was super into that. Mm -hmm. And like my mom made all of our curtains and Mm -hmm. she made like all of our pillows and name it. Like the curtains in my house now she made. Yeah. 
Um, and then like building stuff, like both of my, my, her dad was very handy. So I never really like mm-hmm. had tools because they, they were dead by the time I was old enough. But then like when I got tools out here, I started building cause I just love it. Yeah. Was so was his, your grandparents on his side, were they creative? I mean, that's got to trickle from somewhere. How that, do you just get into design? I know. I mean that my dad tells a story all the time. I'm like, dad, did you really? But he says, you know, I would build houses on this little many houses, you know, in Panama, little shacks, what have you, on the side of the road, you know, I just like to build little houses. So leave it to him. That's what it was. I don't really know beyond that. Um, Honey, speed up. There's that guy that builds little houses. (laughs) I know. Um, And then on my mom's side, she just was always fashion style design, which is always her thing. My mother was just, there was rarely a day, Ohio, my mom's from Ohio. Um, Youngstown, Ohio. There was rarely a day when I didn't see my mom dressed up, you know, beautiful dress, skirts. <laughs> she heals every day just yeah. for no reason. First of all, this is all making sense. She's always dressed to the nines. He's Panamanian. I just feel like they're very probably passionate and go on gut instinct. So when he's yes. in there like, no, I'm no, I'm not. I'm not spending another day with her. Holy shit. Look at her. Pretty much. I'm, I'm sticking. With, I'm sticking with her. <laughs> she looks good today. That is how it went. That is how it went. Amazing. So, yeah. So he's a chef. Yes, he's a chef, um, and you know has an eye for designing, what have you. And I, I picked up on that from both of them. You know, I really even these chairs that you're sitting on. Yeah. I made these chairs here. What do you mean you made them? I well, okay, you I won't say made. Them? I didn't build them. Yes, I reupholstered these chairs here. Shut up. Um, Where'd you learn how to do that? I don't know on YouTube and then just my own good for you. Um, but I just love it and have made a bed. I make benches, a nice uh, tufted hinged bench and shelves and wine. Oh yeah. Wait, so you made a bed. Did you make the frame? Made the frame. Where'd you make it? Where? Like in my house. This was for my, my apartment. But where'd you get the, how'd you cut the wood? Got the wood from Home Depot, put it into my car because it didn't even have a truck, so it was sticking out the window, and mm-hmm. you know, got some tools and found some uh, plans. It was supposed to be plans for a queen-sized bed, and I ended up making a full-size bed on accident, so uh-huh. I had to return the mattress and everything because it didn't fit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I made the bed, and it actually stood. Never had any problems with That's the bed. legit. I had no idea. I made our bed. Did you yeah. see? Yeah, I got, I bought Reclaim Wood and it was, this guy had like Reclaim Wood from Michigan and I went out and got it Mm -hmm. and then like I built all the plans and then I had, I had, I didn't do my own upholstering, (laughs) don't judge me on it, but like I had to get the headboard upholstered and then the baseboard upholstered and uh, yeah, and then I built the bunk beds for the kids. I built bunk beds for the kids. That's like, uh, they're a little suspect. I mean, I mean for the kids, I need them to be safe. Well, Kate's always on me because like the the slats for River's bed down below, they fall out sometimes. She's like, Jay, you've got to fix this. I'm like, she's on the bottom. Where oh, is she? Oh my she gosh. weighs 38 pounds. What's she gonna? What's gonna happen? And so, but it's it's dope. I got like a I got at an antique store this old goose head that's mm-hmm, brass, mm-hmm. and that's like one of the handles for him to climb up. Nice. Which is fresh, and I built them each like their own like bookcase yeah, shelf. Yeah, yeah, So they have their own stuff in there. But That's I had no so idea cool. you did that. We are one in the same here. You Look know what I'm this. saying? This is the best. I mean, let me ask you. For me, 
if I'm not writing or acting or, or doing stand-up, I need to just like get my brain to do creative stuff. And that's why I do it. Absolutely. Me and, <clears throat> and Jay, my husband, we talk about it all the time. I Because I like to just be busy with doing some kind of project outside or something, building something, making something. And he's like what are you doing? Are you, you know, he doesn't always have an interest in doing it. And I just need to be busy with my mind doing something like that. Yes. I love it. I do too. It's my favorite thing in the world. I, do I too. mean, it's, I, I love it because it's like, uh, it like, will inspire the other creativity, you know? Absolutely. And I've even found for me in making that bed. And that was a few years ago now, in our bed now, it's, you know, it's, I didn't make the bed, yeah. bought the bed. The slats keep coming out. I'm like, my bed I built with my bare hands had no issues. <laughs> so I had some pride in my craftsmanship there. You know, what's funny is people will say to me sometimes, I'll say like, oh, I like to get creative and stuff like that. And they're like, oh yeah. I'm like, yeah, I made my bed. And they're like, dude, I make my bed every day. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not what I mean, bro. That's not what I mean. This week's episode is brought to you by OpenFit. OpenFit takes all of the complexity of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. I want to say this. I, I Over the years, I've said in my last podcast, The Crab Feast, uh, in social media, you know, in interviews, that I weight has always been a thing for me. And my buddy and I talk about it all the time. I got to drive two miles. That's it to the gym. But it's still a pain. Like anything I can do from home is better for me. OpenFit is bringing you something new that makes it even easier to never miss a sweat session. For me, that's important. It's just like make it easy for me. Lose the commute to the gym and let the workout come to you. Amazing trainers and classes. OpenFit classes are led by some of the most effective and engaging trainers in the world. It's simple. Forget all the complexity and stress of around getting fit and just press play and work out on your schedule. 600 seconds with celebrity trainer Devin Wiggins packs the fat-burning, muscle-building, and body-sculpting benefits of much longer sessions into a fraction of that time. That's one thing I learned over the years is that is a fact. You can get so much more done in less time if you're doing it efficiently and know what you're doing, which I never do. So this is like something that'd be perfect for a lot of people and they just don't know it because you're like, really, 10 minutes? But yeah, really, 10 minutes. Lose up to 15 pounds and just the first 30 days flatten your abs shape your body and look and feel great that's a great way to like we all we need is results to move us forward you know what i mean just get results this is a great way to jump start your own experience i know for me you want to get something like this because it can be at your house it doesn't take up a lot of time and the bottom line is just do it if you don't believe it, if you're like, nah, whatever, what, what does it matter to you? 30 days, 10 minutes a day, just do it. And then see, 15 pounds. That's amazing. Who doesn't want to drop 15 pounds? OpenFit has changed the way you can work out. Use my code, Larson, L-A-R-S-O-N, and join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use my code, Larson, and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. Right now, during the OpenFit 30-Day Challenge, my listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit, where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you text Larson to 303030, 30-30-30. Just text Larson to 303030, and you're going to get a free 30-day trial. I mean... 
God. <laughs> Think about it. If you just do it in 30 days, 15 pounds, go check out OpenFit. Um, okay, so they uh, they so obviously, you know, acting is different than design and stuff like that but there's an artistic idea to it you know i always think that like being exposed to something artistic just allows you to see that creativity is one okay Mm -hmm. you know because i think a lot of people kind of always trying to steer their kids in this rigid Mm -hmm. like uh corporate style you know what i mean like ah, don't worry about that or don't fuss with that or people just don't like they don't want to push boys towards artistic stuff sometimes i'm not saying everybody there's a dude who's a dad on the baseball team that my son's Mm -hmm. on and this guy looks like i mean he just does not he looks like he'd be driving a bread truck and i was like we started talking like what do you do he goes oh i'm an interior designer and i'm like you're an interior (laughs) designer Like I laughed in his face, but then I was like, dude, that's like my dream job. Um, so then where did the acting in Kansas, did you start like doing drama club or what did you do? Um, You fist fought the director or what'd you do? Well, yeah, that too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but once I got to Kansas, I just got involved into a lot of different, um, organizations. There was a teacher, she was a guidance counselor, actually. Her name was Joyce Williams and she wasn't even my guidance counselor. What's up, Joyce? What's up, Joyce? But she's just one of those teachers that would take anyone under her wing you know if they were wanting to do something now wait was it that you went to her because you saw something you saw that like she had that uh availability Mm -hmm. or did she see something in you and start like pulling you in she was the head of these different organizations okay, these different yeah. acting groups and so that's how i ended up cool. going to her yeah um and so that's really how it started to happen i joined a couple of the different clubs but ironically enough i did everything but the drama department in high school um i ran track in high school and that was just my thing and i felt like oh, oh that's I'm right too I- cool to being drama, drama. So yeah stupid. i was the same way i think i i think i i, I told you i'm like i'll race your ass right and when we were doing the yes! invitation i was like yes! i'll race you right now <laughs> knowing i would not win no you wouldn't um, you wouldn't <laughs> yeah I, I i was the same way i think drama always like intrigued me and i was just like i don't do drama yeah. drama kids do drama exactly. you know and now exactly. i'm like oh man i wish i had done drama I I'm like, I wish I had that high school experience of being in the drama department, but I was in a similar um, group, but it just wasn't that. And then I also took the creative writing classes in high school. Mm-hmm. I did everything but the drama department. Yeah. Um, was it a big high school? How many kids? It was a big high school. It was um, Leavenworth Senior High School. I don't remember how many, but it was pretty big. You know, it's, it wasn't the, the school that was on the army base, but it had a lot of students. You know, yeah. it had a lot of army kids as well. Okay. Um, and then even my high school in Jersey was a big school, Pemberton Township High School. Um, both both really large schools. Cool. Um, so tell me what that was. So you didn't do any plays or anything? I did, but not just the drama department of the of the Got school. It. Yeah. There were we other did. programs. Yeah. Yeah, there Damn. were other programs. Not in my town. There was like drama club and that was it. And you're gotcha. like, all right. Well. That is the beauty of someone like Miss Williams because she created these other yeah. programs. You know? Yeah. You know, because like there was like band, marching band, concert band, mm-hmm. jazz band. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, how come there's not like an improv troupe or, yeah. or something like yeah. that? Yeah. And yeah. then what did you go to college and major in drama or like? I did not. I had, by the time, you know, time came to graduate, I had already made the decision that I wanted to act. And I said, wow, well, if I'm going to act, then 
why don't I just get to it? And I just went, this was in I Jersey. I can't stand people like you <laughs> that are like, I know what I want and I'm going to do it. I was just like, oh, I could do this. I could do that. No, I mean, because in hindsight, I wish now that I had done those at least four years in college. Not at least four years in college. <laughs> well, at least in my case. Um, because just to get that experience, but yeah. I was just, I've always been very, okay, well, let me just do it. And so, um, once I made that decision, I left, um, Jersey and then went or no left Kansas and then went to Jersey and started to act as much as I could and going back and forth and doing off, off Broadway between, between Jersey and New York. And but, but you know, were you going on auditions? Were you taking yeah, classes? Yeah. Classes, okay, yeah. everything. I was doing classes first and then auditions, you know, super small, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever. But I that was do. your college. It was. It yeah. really was. It really was. And were you living in Jersey or were you living in the city? I was living in Jersey. Okay. Living and in Jersey. Were you working? I was working. Where? Um, at that time in Jersey, I was working at a place called Disc Makers. What were they making? <laughs> they were making discs, you know, CDs and, and things like that for artists. and, things. and they ha- They're still gotcha. in, 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 um, they're in still business working? right now. Yeah. They have an office here. In um, L.A., like on Cahuenga. They make reels and stuff like that? I don't know if they make reels, but they make actual discs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for for everyone who needs a disc. <laughs> so let me, I feel like you're someone who just like talks your way into stuff. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I mean, think of it. If you're graduating, I mean, I know it's different now. Like right now, like you've never needed to go to college more than right now than ever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even then, it's like the most competitive thing for college. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. I don't even, I, I feel like there's some weird system going on that's broken and it's got to get fixed. I'm sure it's going to, but like, I mean, college just costs $65,000 a year, mm-hmm. but, and it's also the most competitive thing. It doesn't, yeah. it, I don't understand. So to just go in and get a job, you just, all you have is a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you're like, acting and stuff like that you just must have been like articulate and just gone in and be like yeah this is what I need to do I think I had that mindset of this is what I need to do I want to act so therefore I need money I need to know how to act or what have you so I have to do this so I need this job so yeah give me this job kind of thing so I guess in that sense that's probably probably accurate so was this like a shock to your mom because now you're living with your mom um was I living with my mom or living by my, yeah, by that time I was with my mom when I yeah. came back. Yes. So yes, was yes. she like, oh yeah, of course. I always thought this is something you would do. <laughs> or was she like, oh, maybe you changed since you went to Kansas. Was there any like... No, it, she knew it was always there. She oh, knew okay. it was always there. Because initially as a kid, I thought that I wanted to be a lawyer, which again, a lot of actors for some reason... Oh, that's all like, I wanted to be. That's all I wanted to be. Are we the same person? Maybe. You know what my favorite show? In seventh grade. Do you remember seventh grade? In seventh grade, L.A. Law was on. Did you ever remember L.A. Law? I remember L.A. Law. And I would come in every day and go right to Miss McMinnon. I'm like, you see L.A. Law last night? That show was on a 10. I was in seventh grade. I would stay up and the next day I was like, all I wanted to talk about was L.A. Law. Wow. I thought when I was in high school, and no, in middle school, I'm like, when I'm 24, yeah. I'll be married. I'll have two kids. I will wear a suit to work. I'll have a briefcase. I'll have a little white fence mm-hmm. and I'll come home from the law office. <laughs> that's what I literally, that's all I thought in my head. That is so funny. And then it wasn't until like something like 
like I knew once I went to college, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be a lawyer yeah. just because yeah. I'm like, it's just not going to fit. Yeah. And then it wasn't until senior year in college, my fifth one, mm-hmm. that I was like the beginning of the year, like the year was starting. And I just said, I'm going to move to Los Angeles when I graduate college. And I started telling like my close friends and they were like, to do what? Right. And I'm like, I think I'm going to be an actor. And they're like, you've never acted in anything. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I don't, I don't know. And then like I took a directing class. There was like, it was a liberal arts school. So there was no art program. Yeah. So I took like a directing class and I really liked it. And then I took, I did like the musical, the second semester. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to move to LA. And I remember I had a girlfriend at the time and she was like, you know, it's kind of like upsetting to me that you're just going to move to LA and not even tell me, like ask me. And I was like, yeah, well it kind of has nothing to do with you. Like, I'm like, I I just have to go. And then like graduated, saved money for like six months Mm -hmm. and then just like moved. And everyone was like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. But it was weird because it just like snapped in my head. I'm like, oh, I guess this is what that lawyer thing was. It just Seriously. wasn't in my head. And I'm like, uh, it's weird how like, you know, it calls out to you at certain times. Mm-hmm. You were like, you mm-hmm. know, new as soon as you graduated high school. It took me like an extra four and a half years. But but that moment is still the same. That moment of clarity, you know, because it it came to me. I remember I was always a pretty good student in high school. Not always. Once I went to Kansas, you know, um, I was a pretty good student. Um, but in trying to figure out what I was going to do, family, of course, once you go to college and I was a pretty good, you know, track athlete. And I had this internal just monologue. Well, I think I want to be an actor. Well, why don't you be an actor? Well, I don't know how. Well, maybe you should. I think I will. It was just like that. Yeah. And, and that was it. So what became your first, what would you say for you? Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, two of them. What do you think is your big break for you as an actor? Mm-hmm. And then what do you think like everyone else would view as your big break? Like, was there a, a thing that happened that like you all of a sudden changed and like grew? Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be like a play. It could be anything. Hmm. Um, okay. Well, I don't think that counts as that. No. There was, there was, you said a play and something came to mind. I was doing, um, some kind of summer theater production and we were doing Oklahoma and some other play that I can't remember, but either way it was back to back and I had just finished doing Oklahoma and came out in the wrong costume for the next play. What? On stage? On stage. (laughs) And that moment still sticks with me. It was a moment of what have I done? Everyone's in the audience. And I would never forget that moment because it taught me the show must go on. And I went right into the character of the next show as, you know, um, one of the orphans in Oklahoma. Oh my God. Did the audience like, I mean, do they know? Yeah, they knew. Yeah, they knew. Everyone knew. And I just had to just act like it didn't happen and go with it. So that was a big moment for me. I remember feeling pride that, okay, you can, you can get through you know, when, yeah. when traumatic times happen. So yeah, because the, first of all, I've only done one play and I did that musical, but that doesn't really count. Mm-hmm. And doing a play to me is the highest stakes of everything. Yeah. Stand up is live and you got to be funny. Which but, is similar though. I yeah. Mean, it's- but once you know you're funny, you can find a way to make things funny. Mm-hmm. So even if a joke tanks, you can find a way acting in movies is very challenging because you have to act. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you can't act, everyone can see right through it or at least you can see right through mm-hmm. it. So then to have to do it in front of people and memorize those lines. Yeah. So you got to memorize the lines and then act. 
Oh my God. <laughs> like when I, I have friends that are like, you should just go do a play. And now I'm like, back then I, when I did that play, it was like 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I was like, yeah, I was up for every challenge yeah, and now I'm yeah. getting older. I'm like, Oh, that scares that. <laughs> that memorization just scares me. It's, it's the memorization. Mainly that. Mm-hmm. I mean, because when you're doing TV and film, you can bring sides to set, look at them, mm-hmm. pop them in your pocket. If you need, I mean, I don't know how you're probably like, no, Jay, that's <laughs> not what professionals <laughs> oh, do. Um, <laughs> Okay, and then, I mean, what do you think is your big break that other people would be like, oh, that's the big break? Yeah, it would definitely be Middle of Nowhere, this film I did in 2011, I okay. think it was, um, directed by Ava DuVernay, and that was the one that kind of, you know, opened the doors for, for myself, for her, kind of, Yeah. you know, that's that's when, when things changed. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, don't you, like... I like look at like when we did the invitation. So if any of you don't know, we did the invitation together. Yes. And like I look at that like that whole experience. There was like you. I didn't know any better. Like when I got it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like who Karen was and who Matt and Phil mm-hmm. were, who any of you guys were. Mm-hmm. Like I just I remember showing up and like starting to talk to like everyone on set. And like we had to go right into. Remember we went like that first day we yeah. went into like rehearsing yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And then Mikkel like made fun of me on like day one. Do you remember? I mean, of course you don't. But like we were like rehearsing in the living room and like, you know, the direction on the script says Ben, like frustrated, like walks out. Mm-hmm. So I did that in the rehearsal and Mikkel's like, he's walking out. He's doing the direction. Are you serious? Yeah. And I was like, so I'm like, what? Like, you know, I made it funny. I'm like, what? We're not doing. That's what the script. And Karen goes, Jay, make a meal out of it. Like she, <laughs> she loved it. And that gave me like so much confidence. Yeah. It's just that she got my back. And then we did that scene like 12 more times. And every time it got to like where I would walk out, everyone kind of just looked at me and I'm like, I'm walking out. Um, but like, that was like, uh, now that like you see Karen and like, if you, I mean, have you ever like read any interviews? Like they did a piece on her in the times and you, I read it and I'm like, my God, she's like, you know, we were working with her and I'm sure like you had moments with her that you're like, wow, wouldn't a, she's just like an amazing woman Mm -hmm. to then like read about her and like see her words like in print. You're like, wow. Like we were so lucky to, Mm. to be in that, in that set, you know? Yeah. I mean, working with Karen, you know, I was familiar with her from doing Aeon Flux, and I just love Charlize Theron. Oh, you were in that? No, 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 no. From her doing Aeon Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, But because I love Charlize Theron, that's how I was introduced um, to Karen and that, and then her her having done Girl Fight and kind of putting all those things together for me. So I kind of had an idea of, of... her voice in that sense you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and working with her and so that's what made it more exciting for me to work with her because i kind of had that bit of backstory yeah um and so for her to now have i saw a lot of her interviews when for destroyer yeah um and it really just kind of solidified like wow this i'm glad i had that opportunity i can't wait to have another one because she really was great to work with the trio of them you know was was a that was my first time working in that way, you know, so closely with the writers and directors right there. And it really was a, a wonderful experience. I wish everything could be like that, actually. Yeah, I never I remember when I was doing it and that was like the first that was the first movie I've done. And uh, like I did another one, but it wasn't really a movie. And uh, <laughs> some of my friend was like, what's up? A lot of drama on set. And I was like, no. And they're like, what do you mean? There's no drama. I'm like, no. Why? Is there usually drama? And they're like, yeah. 
there's like <laughs> the most drama at films. I'm like, no, everyone's like super cool. And like, we all get along. Cause that was the first thing when I interviewed with Karen, she was like, this is going to be no drama on this set. It's mm. going to be tight quarters. Everyone's going to be sharing dressing room, blah, blah. I'm like, I go, listen, you, you are going to get, I'm going to be lucky to be there. You're not right. going to get any drama right. from me. Um, and then when we were on that set, you got cast in the, the, uh, Miles Davis story with Don Cheadle. Yeah. Miles ahead. How was that? That was, I mean, just getting those, those, um, that final call while we were on set. I remember being in the backyard and, and everyone telling everyone and everyone was so excited and supportive of me. I mean, it, well, was, it just was the coolest, the coolest, I so mean, special. Yeah. That guy was, le- <laughs> is, is such a talented dude. And it, to me, I said this to you off mic, it's like a, such an iconic character to be playing, right? Yeah. yeah. To Absolutely. like, to play a period piece with uh, you know, opposite uh, Miles da- uh, Miles Davis character mm-hmm. is just like crazy. Don Cheadle is just a force, man, and and to be working with him, and it being his first time directing a film, yeah, um, and directing himself. Um, it was just a treat for me and I just was a student, you know, a, a lot of the times. Um, and he made it such a, um, a welcoming environment, you know? Um, and I really felt like I was working opposite someone who respected me as much as I respected him. You know, I didn't feel as if, um, cause I went into it afraid. I mean, it's Don Cheadle, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's playing Miles Davis, but yet he gave me room as well to, to also find my character and for us to play. Mm-hmm. You don't always have that, especially with people who've been in the business for so long. Yeah. Well, so this is something that like, I don't understand like in any work environment or works, whether it's acting or a restaurant or, you know, like a Nordstrom, whatever. Mm-hmm. If I go in and people are just like rude or unaccepting, mm-hmm. you're just like, what? How is this? How are you even existing? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like anywhere, like I'm even as much as my kids literally game practice. You're like, do you not think there needs to how are you not creating an environment mm-hmm. for people to feel good, feel welcome, succeed? Like, how does that make any sense? for your benefit at all it's so true but we are in an industry where so many people unfortunately don't have that mindset and there's so much insecurity you know from directors or what have you who set the tone on set yeah you know and if you don't have a director who is secure that's how you end up on those sets where there is drama every time yeah. you turn around well you know and it's not just like i have friends that are in like you know just in the workforce yeah. out there and they'll say the same things they're like oh my boss is just like non-stop like has no mm-hmm. bedside manner and you're like how do they get there are they just like everyone seems to like work their way into a position in life and they can just like stay there yeah you know (laughs) and you're like that's you're not helping anyone but less of you (laughs) i know but how how do they do it so i told you so i got an audition for ballers and i read it and i was like oh my god this is so me like i'm gonna crush this Mm -hmm. and i had a great read and then i didn't get it but do you love working on that show i mean it's got to be the best is it not the best it really is you know working um with with dwayne johnson he is because most of my scenes are with him yeah i Um, know what's that I know. Yeah. He is just so much fun to work with. So professional. Um, and it's just a fun set. You know yeah. what I mean? There's lots of uh, testosterone male energy. Um, so it's fun to kind of be the woman in the room in, in, at those times. Yeah. <laughs> and Rob, Rob Corddry. Mm-hmm. 
is I think one of the funniest anything that dude says is just so funny i did this like benefit for his kids school where like a stand-up show Mm -hmm. and my friend the scholar brothers their kids go there and he was doing a sketch and he was in the green room and like you know i meet and as i'm sure you do you meet a lot of celebrities and i don't geek out over anyone Mm -hmm. you know what i mean (laughs) i've never geeked out over like a musician like paul mccartney shows up at stand-up shows all the time and people freak out i would just be like oh that's cool but i I love Rob Corddry and I was like, dude. That's your moment. Oh my God. I wouldn't I couldn't leave him alone. I'm like, dude, I'm a huge fan, bro. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. Oh, thanks. And he's super sweet. I'm like, no, dude. Very sweet. And 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 I started like naming random movies. I'm like, you know what movie I watch all the time? Uh <laughs> Honeymoon in Vegas. Or you know the one with what he did with Ashton Kutcher and like mm-hmm. Cameron Diaz? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Honeymoon in Vegas or whatever happened know. in vegas and he's like oh yeah i'm like dude you're hilarious in that movie he's like oh thanks man. that guy just pops on the screen and i start laughing yeah, yeah. is he fun do you work with oh, him yeah. oh. i did have a few scenes with him yeah he was a lot of fun also very professional very sweet just funny all the time that that's very true yeah i mean i feel like in this business <clears throat> or any business i mean like the the thing that's great about our business or it being an actor or you know being a stand-up is you you constantly are striving for more because you have goals. Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes in like the corporate world, yeah, maybe you're like at a director level and mm-hmm. then you want to get to a VP level or something like that. I wonder how much like people are driven towards those things or you just like, Hey, I got a great position and I keep going mm-hmm. and when I'm ready, I'll get there. Mm-hmm. We kind of always have to keep pushing to get the next thing Absolutely. if you had like a if you have a is there a dream role that you like have on your radar of something you're like oh man if there's one either character i could play or mm-hmm. show i could have or a movie or or what would it be there is there there definitely is and um i would keep it you know kind of yeah you don't have to say here. It. but yeah there, there definitely is um and i know in a general sense some of the other things i want to do like action i just want to run and jump and fight you know what i mean yeah i I, i'm so all about that you know and it's and that's the thing that sometimes when you do roles people tend to see you in a certain way you know and i'm very it can be very put together or what have you and very strong and all those things but um there's also those other sides those other things you want to exercise those other muscles you want to play with so all right then uh if you weren't an actor Mm-hmm. Then what would, I mean, what would it be? Interior design? What would be your dream? Probably, man. I have maybe like a woodworker or something. But the only problem is I don't measure well. And so that's where <laughs> I mean, you're, things you're hilarious. kind of go downhill. <laughs> yeah. So you know the rule is measure twice, cut once. Absolutely. Don't follow it. So my buddy who's an architect, I have two friends that like we build that build Mm -hmm. my friend who's an architect who like rebuilt his whole house you have a friend who's an architect yeah that's a win right there yeah i know it's the best and then another friend who was like graduated with a degree in engineering Mm -hmm. now he owns an eyewear company but he builds as well and like the three of us will like you know chirp in the architect's the best but they make fun of me because the engineer is from he's from georgia Mm -hmm. and he i mean 
it's just everything is so slow. Like we tried to build the table together and like we framed it out and it took like a day. And then he's like, I got to go. Can I leave my tools? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I think I can come back in like three or four days. And I was like, all right. And then the next day I texted him a photo. I'm like, finish the table, bro. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. So, and you see a picture of my work. You're like, whoa, that's legit. Then you get up close and you're like, what's going on here? So... I always say to the, my, my architect buddy, I'm like, well, you know the rule, man. Measure once, cut twice. So I always flip it because I, I never, my measurements are like, yeah, like I got a guy. That's me. Oh, there was a guy. Maybe that's who hit me up. I'm, I, this is how crazy I am. I have a guy from Craigslist. And no. What? No. Okay, good. I got a guy from Craigslist who's supposed to be delivering me a, a countertop. Okay. For I'm going to build a little outdoor, you know, Jay told me he's putting a kitchen out here. I don't own. So I'm going to make a temporary kitchen and uh, I'm going to build that. But so like he was like yesterday, I go, how long is the long is the piece? And he's like, I think it's 53 inches, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, I looked outside and I'm like, (laughs) I go, Reed, you got my tape measure? Like I have like seven tape measures, Mm -hmm. but Reed has one up in his bed Mm -hmm. that he loves. And he's like, yeah. So I got to go get my tape measure off his shelf and his bunk bed. And I go out there and I'm like. Yeah, that should be good. You know, like I don't take an official. I don't look if you come around the corner what it's going to be. Seriously, man. I don't know why I struggle with that. It it just it's burdensome to have to take the accurate measurements. I don't know why. Are you good at eyeing things though? I am good at eyeing things. Yeah. So I rely on that. I can just and it it works, you know. And sometimes I'm off. A lot of times I'm off and I have to shave off a little bit more and a little bit more. It would save me time if I would just do it right. Yeah. But there's something about measurements that I, I just struggle with, but I eventually get it done. One of my favorite things that I ever built or reconstructed, I'll say, is I found a kid's swing set mm-hmm. off Craigslist and then but it didn't have all the parts mm-hmm. and it didn't have like a like it didn't have directions. So I got it all and then I rebuilt it. And uh like if you would swing real hard on that swing, that whole thing would be shaken. Well yeah. And like my friend, the architect he came over one day and he goes, uh Hey, can I ask you a question? I go, yeah. He goes, why'd you put the swing set right over the concrete walkway? <laughs> and I go, well, why not? And he goes, because what if they fall? I'm right. like, they're going to fall eventually. <laughs> and he goes, well, why didn't you put it in the grass? I'm like, because I want to sit in the grass. <laughs> I watch them swing over here. Everything I make has got like a flaw to it. And it's my favorite is watching them come over and like find the flaws. Right, right, right. And then, and then he'll look at it and he'll be like, how long did it take you to do it? <laughs> And I'll be like, how long do you think? And he goes, you? Three and a half hours? And I'm like, I did it in 2.45. And it'll be like, you know, I I can't think of, I built like our entertainment center. Nice. And then, you know what I got is like old theater chairs mm-hmm. and I had them reupholstered. I can't do it. Like this work is tight. I can't believe you do this. Listen, that was that was the first time I've ever reupholstered something. I mean, you're my sister. This is what my sister does. Really? Yeah, and this looks like my sister, like mm. in here. Like this is stuff, you know, that she would love. Um, it took you how long to do them? Um, I did this probably over. You like, make two this weeks. trim? Yeah, yeah. I had to get the piping and and you and know sew it. Get the, sew it. Everything. You got a sewing machine? Yeah, I have a sewing machine. God, see, that's I have a sewing one machine. Thing. Yeah. 
you know, so my mom started making costumes for Boston Ballet. Mm-hmm. That was her first job when my parents split because she was always good at sewing. Mm-hmm. So we always had a sewing machine in our breezeway. And it's like the one thing I'm like, man, I feel like when I retire, I'm going to take a sewing lesson just to learn yeah. how to like, I want to be able to make like comforters and stuff like Listen, that. I'm basic, super basic with my sewing. And even this, though I have the machine, this was just hand, you know, just sewing this by hand because this was, you know, You sewed easy. the piping by hand? Yes, but I only had to just close it up, and then because it's a double pipe, then you hot glue them together. Okay. So that was a, a easier one. Um, but yeah, I don't know any fancy <laughs> stitches and whatnot. You know, well, I don't know if there something. are any fancy stitches. Yeah, there are. Yeah, but cross the crossover stitch. There's lots of fancy stitches. Don't but don't don't ask me about that. I'm not gonna. You know what though? This is another <laughs> thing that's gonna go away. This is all gonna be gone. What's that? Like sewing. Oh, well, people don't learn how to sew anymore. Already gone. Yeah. yeah, I know. But like, I remember when we were living in New York, I wanted to get like, I bought these two old chandeliers, mm-hmm. Kate and I did up in the upper, upper east side and the wiring, I needed to rewire mm-hmm. one. And then I didn't know, I mean, I could probably rewire it now, but I just wanted someone to do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like walking down and there's like in like one of the basement like shops, mm-hmm. there was like an antique store and I went in there. I'm like, Hey, do you rewire? And the guy's like, yeah. And I'm like, can I bring you a chandelier? And he's like, yeah. And then like, I ended up like going in and just hanging out with the guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I would just pop in there and be like, what's up? How are you? Mm-hmm. I have guys like that all over town in LA. Like there's a guy on that has this like reclaim shop. Yeah. I always go in and I was like, and uh, I, I forget who brought it up, but I'm like, you're like the last one, man. Yeah. Like man. when you're gone, who's going to do this? People are just going to throw stuff out and then, you know. Do you know any like really cool people who are like, yeah, you know what I do? I reapply. You know what I mean? They're just not going to do it. It really is becoming a lost art. A lot of things like that. Even, you know, like cobblers, you know, what have you, you know, you really appreciate people who have that kind of skill set, you know, and to know that it is being slowly but surely phased out is sad. Isn't Daniel Day-Lewis a cobbler? (laughs) How legit is that? He really is in real life because I, you can't tell me he's not after that movie. No. Oh, oh, oh a, a, a dressmaker. What? Oh, yeah. A oh, my Fred. God. Fred, I mean. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's insane in that. But insane. no, he does cobbler like when he's like at home. Oh, like for real. He's you're, got a shop. Serious. Like I swear to God, that's like. Oh, wow. I didn't see. And I feel like he's a dude that's like straight up retired. And he just like acts once in a while to like, yeah, I'm just going to act once I mean, in a while. That explains so much. Did you see Phantom Thread? Yeah. Did you? I, I thought this man really was a dressmaker because he makes things look so authentic. The way he holds the handle of the scissors, the I'm way sure. he just touches the garment. That's what makes him. But Daniel I think that Lewis. that dude like when he got that role probably went with a dressmaker for like six months and like sure. learned, you know, for sure. And you're like, all right, dude, well it's, you get paid $10 million to do a movie. But it does not take anything away from how committed he is to making that looking whoa, real. Look real. Whoa. Do not, <laughs> I'm not taking anything away. I mean, I don't need to get attacked. No, I know. But imagine if you could prep for every role for six months I by know. like learning to like, you know, well, I'm going to cut before I get punched. I'm going to cut this short. This thank you so much. This was super sweet of you. Sit thank down. You, this Jay. was this fun. This was wonderful. And uh everybody keep watching Ballers. Is there anything yes. that they Yes. Um so I'm doing a show called Redline that's going to be airing on CBS on April 28th. Damn. Yes, it's with myself and Noah Wiley. Um, and Noel Fisher. Killer. Um and so it's it's going to be a good one. It's basically about this 
There's a shooting that happens that takes place in Chicago. Mm-hmm. A shooting that happens. A and, shooting in Chicago. Interesting. Yes. Does that happen often? <laughs> I know, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and it's about how this one shooting affects these three different families. And really, the show is trying to bring everyone into a conversation about how this type of violence happens, um, mm-hmm. how we can prevent it, it, prevent it, and how we can come to a better understanding of each other, which could also help us prevent these kinds of things from happening. So it's a really great show, and I'm excited about it. Oh, that's, that's awesome. April 28th on CBS. Right on. Congrats. Thank you. Awesome. You're the best. Thanks, Jay. Thank you so much for listening. Please keep listening. Share with your friends. Share it on social media. Let people know about the through line. And I'll talk to you guys next week. You're looking for a great podcast to be listening to, Aussie Confidential. What does punk rock have to do with steroid abuse? How does a soap company save a suicide. Aussie Confidential, the newest podcast from the Aussie, tells all. Host Eugene S. Robinson, journalist, actor, stuntman, frontman, creator of Sex with Gene, True Stories, and Eugenius is now all up in the air with interviews from the underground. Ungoogleable, untold, undiscovered until now. Part ranorific crosstalk from the edge, part no holds barred, delving into the dark stuff often left unsaid, complete with a soundtrack to die for. Aussie Confidential is a podcast for people, personalities, and weirdly wild notions about what we reveal and what we most want to conceal. Episodes can be 20 minutes, two hours. You never know with Aussie. Listen up for Aussie Confidential, available everywhere audio lives. And if you just can't wait, listen a day early, only on Himalaya. This is the podcast your mother warned you about, only from Aussie. Live curiously.